My Car Guru, episode 163. Hello, folks. Welcome to this edition of My Car Guru. And uh, I'm glad to be here with you today, as usual. Ladies, I, mean, I got a question for you. Um, does your husband make you watch um, hunting shows and shows about cars like chasing classic cars or or does he sit there and make you watch those auctions, you know, like the Meekum auto auction that's on all the time, watching these old cars sell? Do you give him a hard time about it? Well, he's just paying you back for all of those years you made him watch HGTV. So there you go. What goes around comes around, right? Well, folks, I've seen it all now. I was diving into a couple car magazines, which is something that I do. Um, you know, we, as I've mentioned, uh, we've been... Working at my mom and dad's house, my mom passed away in December, and you know it came the time for us to to go through their worldly possessions, and we got pretty much everything done except the attic, the very hot, very dusty attic. It's hard to believe that some of this stuff could actually be up there for 50 years and survive, including my dad's World War II Navy uniform. Just pristine. Couldn't believe it. In a box. Had a little plastic wrapped around it. A lot of the plastic was melted, believe it or not. But anyway, we found a big stack of car magazines up there. Now, back in the 60s, um, when I was being formed, well, I was formed in, in, well, I don't know when I was formed, but I was born in 1956, my brother in 54, and he was already a car nut by the time I arrived. And uh, he started getting subscriptions to uh, Road and Track, Car and Driver, Motor Trend, uh, those kind of things. And uh, we found a big old supply of those up in the attic, and they were just about to fall apart. The heat, they didn't hold up too well. But it's, I've got a big collection. I, I bought a, a big collection of uh, magazines and artwork from a, uh, a widow of a man who passed away in, I think they were from uh, near Talbot, Tennessee, which he, you don't know where that is, but that's fairly close. And uh, so anyway, I bought that, and I have this huge collection and magazines that go back all to the uh, all the way to the 30s and 40s, and a lot of those same magazines. I'm looking at one of those right now, Motor Trend, and Motor Trend is one of, is kind of an interesting magazine. It's not what it used to be. Uh, I was always a car and driver guy, and then kind of jumped ship with them. They got a little out there, and I went with Automobile Magazine, and then. I think they've gone bye-bye. Maybe not, but uh, I don't know who got this subscription to this. It's to Gateway Ford Lincoln Mercury. That's pretty old. Right now we're Gateway Ford and Gateway Nissan. Uh, we said bye-bye to Lincoln, and uh, Ford said bye-bye to Mercury, and we didn't have a choice there. But I'm looking at the all-new 2024 Chevrolet Camaro. Now, many of you won't care. I really don't care that much, but still, there are some Chevrolet fans out there which I used to be, and still, I mean, it's in my blood. We were Chevrolet from, well, my grandfather in 1926 to uh, my dad in 1956 and me in 1978. Until 2010, we were Chevy people. Of course, I bought the Ford dealership in 2005, so I kind of jumped ship a little bit there. People used to say, Lenny, how can you do that? How can you sell Fords after all these years? And I say, well, you know, like my mom always told me, it's a poor jockey that doesn't praise his own horse, and I'm riding a Ford horse now. Actually, the symbol of the Mustang is a Ford, or horse, I should say. Anyway, uh, 24 Chevrolet Camaro, 
it's going to be all electric. And it may have four doors. And it may still retain the Camaro name. A lot of maze there. Uh, it matters because GM is, is planning on tradi uh, basically transitioning all, that's all, A-L-L, -L of their brands to electric performance models in the, over the next 13 years. So Corvette is already started. Uh, Corvette in 2024 is going to have an electric version. It's going to be called the E-Ray. Well, that could change. I certainly hope it does. Instead of the Stingray, it's the E-Ray. But, uh, yeah, it has to happen. We're being pushed in that direction. I prefer the 5.5-liter twin-turbo flat-plane uh, V8, personally. It would, appealed, it would have appealed a whole lot more to the, the creator of the vet. You know what his name was? His name was Zora Arcus Duntov. And I've got his autograph on a picture right over there in front of me right now. Uh, yeah, Zora, not Zorro. That was the guy in Mexico that went around, you know, and with a sword and carved Z's in people's chests. I don't think Zora Arcus Duntov did that. But, uh, yeah, he was the father of the Corvette. And uh, I don't know what he would think about an electric Corvette. Probably be cool with it. I mean, he was an innovator. Um, but Corvettes are still really hard to get. Uh, I had a short experience with one, as I discussed on this radio show. I bought a, a C8 Corvette back in January. It's kind of interesting uh, for those of you who haven't heard this story. Uh, I had been to the Petit Le Mans, which is a race at Road Atlanta, just outside of Atlanta. Incredible, two, about two-and-a-half-mile road course, and they have a uh, – you know what the Le Mans is, right? That's the big 24-hour race that they have over in France which is on the bucket list, by the way. But uh, we go to the Petit Le Mans because I don't want to have to go all the way to France. So my brother and I and a couple other friends rent a motorhome and go down, and we watch these cars race for not 24 hours, but 10 hours. But anyway, while we're there, they have this uh, thing called the Vendor Village. And you can buy T-shirts and you know all kinds of uh, racing paraphernalia. But several of the manufacturers that actually race cars at Road Atlanta also set up tents, really fancy tents. With um, They have real pretty girls to hawk their T-shirts, not their cars necessarily, but T-shirts and stuff. They want, they want your email address so that they can harass you. And so I give them up my email address so I can have the free Corvette T-shirt. But what really got me was there was a C8 Corvette sitting there. And there was another one sitting there, but it didn't have a body on it. It, had, uh, it didn't have any of the fiberglass, the, the pretty stuff. Uh, it just was the basic structure of the vehicle, the monocoque frame. And so it looked like the same thing you would see in, under the skin of a Ferrari. And I said, I need to have one of those. So I didn't tell my brother who was with me, but as soon as I uh, got back to the real world, I started researching Corvettes. Where can I buy one? Well, they're all sold out. You know, I called my Corvette buddy up in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, at Champion Chevrolet, and I said, hey, uh, can I get a Corvette? And he said, yeah, sure. You can get on the list. How long is the list? Oh, about two years. And I said, well, I'm not doing that. And so I went online and started searching, and I found uh, several cars. found one not too far away. And so I called that dealer, and I said, I understand you have a Corvette. What would you sell it for? He said, it's 30000 over window sticker, not a penny less. 
I was like, that, that's not good. So I found another dealership that had one, and it was priced considerably less. It was only $15,000 over window stickers. So I called them. Of course, I understand now that MSRP or window sticker in this particular market for the next probably year or so, and really for the previous 18 months, it doesn't mean anything. MSRP means nothing. That used to be the absolute highest price anybody would pay, and anybody that paid more than that was crazy. Uh, matter of fact, you always try to get closer to the invoice price, which is what the dealer originally paid for the car. But that's not possible now, folks. It just isn't. Maybe if somebody's still selling Yugos or uh, something like that, Daewoo's, you might be able to find a Daewoo dealer that will discount deeply. But you won't find a Chevy dealer that will sell a Corvette for less than probably ten, fifteen thousand over sticker, unless you order it. Now, if it's in stock, that's when you have to pay for it. If you want one now, you're going to have to pay, which is what I did. And I told the guy, I said, um, "I'll do that, but I'm not going to pay for your dock fee, your processing fee." And he said, "Well, you have to." I said, "Well, I'm not." Talk to your boss. So he called me back a little while later, and he said he's going to waive the processing fee. Um. I said, well, good. Then I'll take the car. Here I am, a Ford dealer in Greenville, Tennessee. Used to be a Chevy dealer, not not anymore. Now I'm a Ford dealer. And I paid fifteen grand over sticker for a, a C8 Corvette. But it was cool because it was a museum delivery. And what that means is I got to go with my beautiful wife. We made reservations in Nashville, spent the night there, and then drove up to Bowling Green, which is about an hour away. And that's where Corvettes are built. That's where they're born. And right across the street is the National Corvette Museum. And if you want to do a museum delivery, then it costs an extra $9.95, which is what this car... This car had been ordered by somebody, okay? They just backed out. The deal fell through. That's why the car was available. I should have told you that at the very beginning. Anyway, that's the only way I got a shot at the car. Um, so the guy had selected on his order the museum delivery. So I talked to my wife, and I said, this will be fun. And so we went and had a great time, took delivery of the car. It's all, they have uh, probably, I don't know, 10 other people that were taking delivery of their Corvettes that day. And the interesting thing, you remember when the tornado hit Birmingham, or Birmingham hit uh, Bowling Green? Uh, well, my car was outside. That just happened back in January or December, some, somewhere in that time frame. And my car was, uh, was actually parked outside with all the other cars. The day before the tornado, they just happened to bring my car inside into the detail shop because I was taking delivery of it that Monday or Tuesday. And the tornado was bad, destroyed about, I think it was 50-plus Corvettes, and they all got crushed, but mine didn't. And uh, so they have all these cars lined up inside this Main Street-like area. It's kind of like an indoor city not that big, but, you know, it's just a little street section. They have stores on either side and a restaurant and so forth. It's really nice. Um, so I got to do, got a full explanation of my car. Now, if you want to stay there all day, you can. But I knew a lot about the car, and I told the lady, I said, let's try to cut this a little short because I got to drive back to Greenville. I just wanted to get on the road in that car, quite frankly. And it was a absolutely phenomenal car. Um, why did I sell it? That's what I do. Um, I was, here I am a Ford dealer in Greenville, Tennessee, and I've got a C8 Corvette in my showroom. So I just felt like, you know, that just wasn't something I really needed to do. And it ties up a lot of money. I could buy three or four cars for what that car cost me. So 
uh, had a gentleman that wanted uh, fell in love with the car, and he had we sold him a a uh, Mustang, a GT three fifty, about I don't know six months, seven months earlier. He said, "I'll buy the Corvette. Will you trade back for my Ford Mustang?" I said, "Well, sure." So we put a deal together, and he's happy, and I'm happy, and I've already sold the Mustang. But that's how these things work. And one of the reasons I want to bring all that up is just about this whole idea about what's a car worth. What should somebody pay for a car? Um, everywhere I go, people say, hey, Lenny, how's the car business? And uh, they kind of use me as a barometer. You know, some of them use me more than they use, the, you know, the stock market. Uh, because really, as the car business goes, so goes the economy to a large extent. I mean, we've noticed it uh, in during the month of July, you know, a, a slackening of interest a little bit. Um, I think the... Uh, the interest thing scared people. The gas prices have really scared people. They don't really know what to do. But I'm old, and I know. I've, I've seen a lot of this stuff come and go. I remember 21% prime rate. I remember gas lines, you know, back in the 70s. You wondered not, not what you were going to pay for gas. Could you get any? That was a little bit bigger deal. I think my parents learned how to suffer a little bit, too, because uh, of what they went through as World War II people, you know, kids. They were kids. My dad actually went. But, uh, you know, it was – we don't really know what it's like to suffer, I don't think. I, now, now don't, take, don't take me wrong there. When it comes to suffering economically, um, I had a guy come in yesterday evening, a great visit, uh, no, yesterday morning, had a great visit with him, and he was a missionary in Africa. Now, you want some perspective on economic suffering. There you go. I mean, the poorest people in this country are like gazillionaires over in Africa. So, But I do want to talk a little bit about the pricing conundrum right now that a lot of people are facing and what to pay for a car and, and, and really how to keep from getting hurt uh, not too far down the road because, you know, the truth is, People are financing cars a lot longer than their normal trade cycle is. Wouldn't you agree with that? People are fin- I mean, anybody that's financing a car for 120 months, 10 years, and they normally trade every two or three years, do you think it's smart? I don't. And uh, I'll tell you why here in just a minute. Okay, Lenny Lawson here, Car Guru. I am back, and I'm talking about uh, the pricing of cars and how you know MSRP, especially on new cars, doesn't really mean anything. Now, um, dealers are paying way over MSRP for stuff. I got a list from, I got an email from a guy named Michael something at um, one of these, what they do, there are these companies that go out there and basically call dealers all day long trying to buy their inventory and try to, find, well, they don't really buy it. They just facilitate the sale to another Ford dealer or to another Chevrolet dealer. So basically they are brokers, for lack of a better word. So I got this email from this broker, and he is paying right now for 2022 Broncos. He'll pay up to $12,000 over window sticker. And who's buying those? Other Ford dealers. And then what are they going to do with them? They're going to sell them to people like you. Now, you may say, well, I would never pay something like that. I wouldn't pay that much over window sticker. Well, you would if you wanted one bad enough. And a lot of people do. Now, is that a bad thing? that a Ford dealer would charge that much over window sticker for a vehicle when they're having to pay that much over window sticker? That's, that's where I'm saying that a lot of p- people are out there saying, yes, that's horrible. How can they sleep? 
Well, they want to survive. That's what it's all about. Um, so if a dealer is willing to pay 12000 over window sticker and a customer walks in here to Gateway Ford and says, yeah, I want to buy that uh, Bronco from you for window sticker, um, that would be a $12,000 opportunity cost for me, wouldn't it? But like I said on the previous show, we sell if, – if you order a Ford from Gateway Ford, uh, then basically I'm going to sell it to you for MSRP. I know I could make a lot more by selling it to somebody else. But I'm in this for the long run, and in our market, you know, I want your service business and stuff like that. If you come from California, Washington, or Minnesota, I'll sell you the car. Same thing, same deal. We'll order it for you, charge you MSRP. If you want to take it and flip it and make $20,000, that's up to you. But that's not what we do. But a lot of dealers are really holding people's feet to the fire. I talked to a gentleman yesterday, the missionary, and he wanted to buy a... uh, um, what, what did he want? To, oh, F-150 Lightning. And he drove one at another dealership, and they said, yes, if you want to order one, we need a $5,000 deposit, and we're going to charge you $20,000 over the window sticker. And he said, well, that's horrible. And, yes, that's just where we are. Now, is it going to be that way forever? No. Um, I'm going to a Ford meeting in September, and Jim Farley, our fearless leader, is going to say, stop doing that. That's what he's going to say. He has no control over it. And and the Ford dealers will stop doing that once the availability is good. But, you know, when you've got 10 cars on your lot, you're used to having 200. And um, then, you know, you got to make up for that loss somewhere. Uh, 22 Bronco Sports, uh, they're paying 3000 over MSRP. Let me find a big one here. Oh, Ford Transit Vans. Now, what's a transit van? That's a cargo van, folks. That's just a white van with a, a box with wheels on it. Um, they're paying $10,000 over MSRP because these companies out there that need to deliver vans and stuff like that, they can't find them anywhere. I mean, they're paying, if you look at on any of the auction websites, any of the, the uh, uh, I guess, classified ads for commercial vehicles, like, I don't know, five-year-old transit vans are bringing close to MSRP what they sold for new. So they're willing to pay $10,000 over. Maverick truck, you know, the new 22 Maverick, uh, 10000 over. Raptors, this is that high-performance F-150. The dealers are willing to pay 16000 anywhere from fourteen to 16000 over MSRP. What else? Mach-E, well, the Mach-E's aren't only 2000 over MSRP. Uh, GT500, which is our high-performance car, is 15000 over. So they're even looking for 2021 units. Dealers are screaming for product right now. And I guarantee you most of these would be going to dealers in large markets, not small markets like where I am. But if you want to order uh, a, a new Ford or a new Nissan or whatever, and, and you know, or a Honda or Toyota or whatever, you just got to do some searching for the dealer first. Before you start searching for the car, you need to call the dealers and find out what their philosophy is what are they going to charge you can find that out through the internet department most of the time but if they won't talk to you then say yes i'm con i need to speak to a sales manager um what do you want to speak to him for well that's between me and him i need to talk to him okay hold on and so uh sometimes they'll call you back sometimes they won't uh my my people will they'll call you back so these are things that that uh, challenges that people are facing in the car business right now and just keep in mind msrp means nothing. Just get that out of your head. If you want a car, you're going to have to pay over for it. 
for the most part, unless you order it. And then that's a good way to, to save. So I'll be right back with a few more tips here in just a minute. Okay, a couple more things, folks, I want to warn you about. Um, watch out when you pay a lot for a car, turning around and paying a lot in the finance office for a bunch of aftermarket products. Now, we've talked about that a lot on this radio show. When you buy a car uh, and you go into the finance office and they say, oh, by the way, you have to buy this as well in order to get that price on that car. Your best move, right, is to stand up and just walk out of that office and go to your car and leave. Because when they start playing those kind of games, what are they going to do after the sale? Not Probably not good. Um, so if you're offered a bunch of products, that's fine. Just make sure you're not paying too much for them. I mean, you shouldn't pay $5,000 for a, a service contract, you know, for a car. Uh, you shouldn't pay any more than maybe six, $700 for gap insurance. Um, there's all these other after these protection packages and all that stuff. You really got to look at what you're getting for your money. And also when it comes to prepaid maintenance, watch out for that. Do the math, take a calculator with you. Hey, I think your iPhone or your Android device has a calculator built in. Take the total selling price of that, uh, after the uh, maintenance product where they're going to do all the, give you all these oil changes act like they're free, and then just do the math. How many oil changes do I get for that? Okay, let's see. Take $1,500 minus 8 or divided by 8. You're charging me too much. I can get an oil change a lot cheaper than that, and you can. So you've got to do the math. They don't anticipate you doing the math, just like I didn't anticipate that, that uh, Oak Ridge scientist uh, when I presented him his finance contract to sign about 20 years ago. He said, Oh, I'll be back in just a minute. I want to go to the customer lounge and read this. Nobody does that, right? But they should. You should at least read the front of your contract and see what's in there. Don't just turn around and sign stuff. Would you do that on a home mortgage? Well, don't do it on your car. There's more people go bankrupt because of a bad car purchase and because they bought way too much stuff. And then they went, they wonder why they couldn't, you know, afford the monthly payment. They get home, they buy it on Saturday, get home, on, on, and on by Monday they're saying, what did we do? You don't want to be that. The, the best advice I could ever give anybody is to get copies of the paperwork and go home and think about it. You won't hurt their feelings. They'll act like they're all hurt, like you don't trust them and everything. But, folks, go home and think about it. Look at the numbers. If you don't understand the numbers, show it to your accountant neighbor. He understands that stuff. Or, better yet, take somebody with you who know who bought cars before and really understands it. You know, not your Uncle Herbert, who's bought one back in the 50s. You know, take somebody who, is, who understands leasing and buying and understands cars and so forth. It, these are just some things that people, mistakes that people make that I see all the time. So hopefully this is helpful to you. If you need me for any reason, send me an email, Lenny Lawson 2020 at gmail.com. That's L-E-N-N-I-E. Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, 2020 at gmail.com. And send me your questions. Uh, if you want me to help you with the value of something, send me the VIN number, mileage, and the uh, optional equipment that's on the vehicle, and I'll tell you exactly what it's worth because I'll write you a check for that amount. How's that for confidence? Well, thanks again for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and we'll see you next time.